From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights. And this is Corona Business Insights. I'm Sandra Peter. And I'm Kyrima. And with everything that's happening out there, it's quite hard to understand what COVID-19 will mean for the business world. So in this series, we've been unpacking business, economy, industry, government, workers and society, and looking at the effects of the pandemic. And this podcast is, of course, part of a larger initiative by the University of Sydney Business School. Our COVID Business Impact Dashboard is a living initiative which we constantly update with insights and resources from our academics, from industry experts, Nobel Prize winners, movers and shakers. And you can find all of these resources online at sbi.sydney.edu.au slash coronavirus. And today we talk about the role of humor in the COVID-19 pandemic. During the last few months, we've seen humor being used as a coping mechanism to what has been an extremely difficult situation for all of us as a means of defense, as a means of fighting back against the consequences of the pandemic. And often we've seen humor just as a diversion, as something to take our minds off the pandemic. And we've seen humor as a way to regain some sense of agency in these times where many of us feel powerless and at the mercy of decisions being made for us during a lockdown, for example, or indeed as a way to connect with others by passing on memes and funny things, the volume of which far outstrips anything any of us have shared before this pandemic. We've all received memes and jokes from many of our friends and family, and most of us have often quite immediately forwarded those memes and jokes to everybody else we knew. And in doing so, tried to establish some sense of a shared experience around life in lockdown. Because many of us live either too close to or too far away from our parents these days. Or some of us have too much time on their hands, like Nick Heath, the UK sports commentator. We shared his clips on our sports episode. He's commenting on real life, cats lazing around, people crossing the road, snails trying to move ahead an inch. Or there have been these fabulous clips where musicians play their instruments and these Zoom pictures are put together. I'm sure everyone has seen them. And some of them are really funny, like the Bohemian Rhapsody one. I'm just a poor boy facing mortality. He's just a poor boy facing mortality. Spare him his life from this monstrosity. Touch your face, wash your hands, will you wash your hands? Bismillah, no, we will not wash our hands. Wash your hands. Mamma mia, wash your hands. COVID-19 has a sickness put aside for me, for me, for me. Ah, the sound of music, isn't it great? Do not fear, but please stay here. Stay at home now, everyone. We must wash and clean things well. Cars, no long trips, just for fun. Don't let COVID virus spread. Isolate yourself at home. See your friends online instead. That's the healthy way to go on. Well, many have pointed out how important music is during these times, like this music teacher. Hey, so as some of you guys might know, I'm a music teacher and I found that one of the best ways that I can process the whole transition to online learning and teaching is to write a song. So I wrote a song. I'd like to share that with you guys now. Here we go.
So I guess this is the sound of isolation. Many of us have felt like this and humor for many people has been a coping mechanism. There are, of course, accounts of humor in times of war. There are many accounts around the role of humor during and after the Holocaust. And we're going to put a link in the show notes to an excellent documentary called The Last Laugh, in which the authors trace the way in which people, even in the darkest times, use humor as a defense mechanism to cope with what is hopeless situations or as a way to ridicule those who are in power or oppress them. And so if humor is used at the darkest of times, there's no wonder that people have resorted to humor to cope with what is now an unprecedented situation that, you know, is confusing that many of us don't understand. So humor often is used not to just make light of the situation, but also to engage in a form of collective sense making of getting a handle on what is actually going on. And of course, all of us are using this together as a way of making sense of the situation that we're all in, getting a sense of we're all in this together, trying to understand what is happening to us. Remember the one about anyone else starting to get a tan from the light in your refrigerator. Or jokes about pointing out the absurdity of the situation that many of us find ourselves in memes and jokes about hoarders buying enormous amount of toilet paper, what the implications of that are, you know, our children in 25 years using up the last roll of toilet paper that their parents bought. And be reminded we're talking here about a generation of children who were homeschooled by day drinkers. This one might land you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know, because it's true, isn't it? <laughs> Megan, our sound editor, is raising her bottle. <laughs> yeah, and we've pointed out in a previous episode that there are actually restaurants selling cocktail at home kits. So there's an industry now catering to this phenomenon. But seriously, ads like single men with toilet rolls would like to meet single women with hand sanitizer for good, clean fun. Well, you bought enormous amounts of hand sanitizer made from <laughs> gin, didn't you? I did. I was an accidental hoarder. I thought they were 20 mil bottles. Turned out they were one liter bottles. Yeah, that happened to me when I accidentally bought 48 rolls of toilet How paper. did you accidentally they fall in your trolley? <laughs> <laughs> I feel we're using this as a coping mechanism now, but we are feeling better for it. And that's actually one of the scientific premises, which is that humor actually does advance well-being and health. And there's research we'll include in the show notes by people like Barbara Fredrickson, who've written a lot about humor being a precursor to being more positive. And that in turn has not just things like positive emotion, but also things like learning and creativity. And it's for this reason that humor has been called the cheapest antidepressant for kids with an internet connection during this pandemic. Yeah, humor is the best medicine, and it releases dopamine, a neurotransmitter that signals reward and pleasures. It can improve blood flow, it can improve immune response, and even pain tolerance. Which should come in handy if you're, you know, accidentally stepping on one of those Legos that you've been putting uh, together during all your spare time. Or isn't it, Sandra? Yeah, I think that's still considered one of the most painful experiences, stepping barefoot on a Lego. 
But seriously. Again. Humor has also been used around the world to convey quite serious messages, sometimes in simple prevention ads like the one out of Texas that said, wash your hands like you just done slicing jalapenos for a batch of nachos and you need to take your contacts out, or Vietnam's Ministry of Health with catchy coronavirus prevention songs, or Washington's Secretary of State on sealing the ballots for a postal vote, whether healthy or sick, please don't lick. Or Singapore's air hug or China's Wuhan shake. Which are humorous initiatives to find replacements for the handshake, of course. And indeed, the Wuhan shake tapping each other's toes with shoes on has actually caught on around the world. Has become a much played TikTok meme. And of course, as a result of these memes, we've all learned to wash our hands much better. But humor is also used in quite productive ways to package what is serious, sometimes complicated problems and sell it to wider audiences. And I'm thinking here, of course, of late night shows with Stephen Colbert or another one of our favorites, John Oliver. Last Week Tonight, of course, is a satire television program that does a lot of serious investigative journalism, receiving not only Emmy Awards for entertainment, but also Peabody Awards. To honor the most powerful, enlightening and invigorating stories in television. And John Oliver, of course, tackles very serious topics, including topics related to the pandemic. And some of his segments are followed by real-world change and actions on the public issues that it raises with policymakers and institutions implementing change to address some of the things discussed on the show. And in recent episodes, he has tackled things like the shortage of testing in the U.S., the way in which essential workers cope with their sometimes very difficult situation, or indeed the role of misinformation during the pandemic. And we want to recognize that increasingly humor and satire are acknowledged as an effective genre to communicate science as well. And we've discussed this previously on The Future This Week. We will include the link in the show notes, how the scientific community has been experimenting with different humor and satire genres to get their message across. We discussed there a paper published in Trends in Ecology and Evolution that started with, should planet Earth stick with its hardline ideological stance, we will seek a second planet. We do not care about planet Earth, the scientists declared. If humans are exhausting the planet's resources, it's Earth that needs to adapt, not us. And we do know that there's research in the field of communication studies that has shown that humor can be used to effectively communicate scientific messaging much better than the normally used dry and factual accounts that scientists are so used to writing. So much like John Oliver is able to communicate really complex public policy issues using humor, scientists are now frequently resorting to satire and humor to propagate their messaging. It is more memorable, we can recall it better, it's also more shareable. We want to tell our friends and family about it. And of course, this also points to the fact that humor has a role to play not only during the pandemic, but will continue to play an important role as we come out of the pandemic. And there's, of course, research underway. This one at the University of Amsterdam, where researchers are creating an archive of all the kind of memes and humorous bits that we have created and shared during this pandemic. So if you have them, send them in. 
And this is where we want to leave you today. As always, we will include the materials in the show notes and many of the materials we have mentioned, you will, of course, already find in your own social media streams. Until next time, this has been Corona Business Insights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll leave you with Nick Heath. Well, you join me live as we focus on this, the last heat in the 1500 millimetres. And, uh, well, heat really is going to be the factor here. This is Frenchman Les Cargo uh, just listing from side to side here a little momentarily. Uh, his trail showing the amazing distance he's covered in the last seven months. Now, Les is known for his up and over technique, and we've not seen too much of it in this year's previous heats. But look at him go back against the shell, the firm up. And now we'll see the droop. Oh, there it is. Just like if your mum's walked in, he's got a way to go in this one. Might read War and Peace in the meantime. From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business.